This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, lead pastor Chris Winans of Cornerstone Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Brighton, Michigan, joins us to discuss methods and Bible study habits used to enrich his own spiritual growth. Good day, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Grimm. I'm here with Thad Keenel once again on the Planned Podcast, and we have a very special guest with us today, don't we, Thad? We do, and uh, he is um, my favorite head pastor at this church, by the way, <laughs> Pastor Chris Winans. It's good to have you here today. Yeah, and, and he's my boss, too, so i got to behave myself today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. That's excellent. Uh, Chris, glad, glad you're here with us. Uh, good to be here. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we've been in our current series on spiritual formation, and you know, early on, we we've been uh, talking about the Word of God as part of the key, a part of that uh, spiritual formation, and really, in a lot of ways, our our podcast called "Planted" from Psalm One of that desire to meditate on God's Word to grow. It's, it's really been a theme of our whole podcast that we believe this, but in this particular series, we also were talking about just the. Westminster Standards and the, the Means of Grace, and they particularly, you know, point out the, those common word means in which we are to grow in our faith is the Word of God, prayer, and the sacraments. And so we've talked about those things, but as we were doing that, the Holy Spirit just seemed to keep saying to me, we need to invite Pastor Winans on because I've been personally impacted by you during, especially during our, I mean, some of our conversations, but especially during chapel time when we once a week we have chapel for all of our staff, and you usually lead that for us. Uh, and you share about well, I've just been reading, and in my reading plan, and you talk, you just kind of often casually just mention your reading plan. And I said I want to ask you a little bit more about that. Talk about first, how did you get into your current practice and this discipline? When did that happen? How did that come about? And how do you view that today? Uh, one thing I was I was convicted of something uh, when I was on a mission trip in um, the Middle East, and we went to these uh, houses of people who were refugees. And we uh, was there. There was one particular missionary, uh, Mark Vanderput, who was there. Was with him, and uh, that was like a master class in so many ways. Just watching him. I know you you went on a mission trip with mm-hmm. him too. I don't know if you, how you felt right. being around him, but. Uh, he's a hero of mine, you know, just sort of a living hero kind of thing. And when we would talk with people, uh, you know, it was very sort of, you know, tell us about yourself. But, you know, it was always a goal to turn things towards a spiritual direction. I just noticed how Mark was able to do that very effectively because he knew the Bible so well. So as soon as someone would say something, he he could just turn it. I I, I was and, I, and every once in a while he'd say something. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever heard that. Like I was so convicted by right. it. Like I remember one time he was. I, I, I was a story that I had to kind of look back and reflect on. He was talking about something Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. And I'm like, why are we talking about Jehoshaphat? <laughs> but but the the thing was is that it connected. And I was, I was, um, I don't not not the word like I wasn't. A, I was convicted in a, in a good way that I don't know the scriptures well enough. And so when I came home. I just realized I, I like to read a lot. I know you like to read a lot. I know that. 
I think you like to read a lot. Do you like to read a lot? I like to study a lot, but as far as like reading particular books and going through an entire book, that's a little more difficult well, for like, me. But yeah, just like books in general, like not necessarily just the like just books. No, no, I don't read anything fiction. No fiction. I'm just recently getting into fiction. That's another thing. But uh, <laughs> I like. I, I was always reading a lot, right? And what I found was I was reading a lot of books about the Bible. You know, as a pastor, you're going to read right. a lot of books about the Bible. I'm sure we both do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, what I was convicted of is like, okay, I read a lot of books about the Bible, but how much am I like in the Bible? And how much of the Bible, this is maybe like four, five, six years ago, how much of the Bible is closed to me? I, I just realized that there were certain portions of the Bible like that I just didn't, I would read through a table of contents and I'm like, yeah, I'm not really sure what's in that. Right. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I could list it, you know, in terms of like, hey, these are the prophets and it's this, 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 whatever. But I was really convicted that I didn't really know it. And so I just started to read uh, very intentionally daily. I mean, I was always kind of reading it, but just much more intentionally. And I kind of decided, look, it doesn't really super matter if I can like tell you what the Nyomachean Ethics is uh, by Aristotle. That's all good. And that's, was, that book was helpful to me. But like in a way, who cares, really? Yeah, right. Um, so... Why do I care so much about the Nyamachian ethics, but I can't tell you what's in the book of Nahum? Right. Yeah. Like, that's messed up, sort of. I mean, a little. Right. I mean, sort of. And so I just started reading daily, and I, it was intentional, and we can talk more about what that plan ended up looking like, but it, it became much more intentional at that point. Right. And from there, it, it still is. I mean, it just is, it has become an increasing conviction. And what I've, and then I'll stop, is that, it, I, what I think is, is, is you know, you might think, well, yeah, well, yeah, because you're a pastor, because you know, that's you got to know that book. Yeah, that so was you, my next question. Well, sure, you, know, you should know what well, you're a pastor. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Um, one, and then, okay, no, we all need to know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, he's the pastor, but I, you know, th- that whole like way of thinking, I don't know. I think it's a bit screwy. I yeah. mean, I guess I get it. There's a certain salary attached to what you do. Sure. You know, I don't know, but. The more you know it, and the more, I'm sure for yourself, like the more you dig into it, you're like, this is like the word of God. I mean, isn't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think we all should know it. Tell me if you think this is true about um, when you're studying something new in in the Bible. Like, there's been plenty of books of the Bible that I haven't studied, but every time I go into a study, like I'm preparing for a class, or if you're preparing for a sermon, whatever I'm studying in depth that book becomes my favorite book, almost like it's like at least for the time, right? So when I was doing the feast class, I'm like, oh, this is this is easily the most favorite stuff I've ever studied before, and I think it's because it's a living word, right? You have thoughts on that, or does that happen to you when you when you when you're doing a new study and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is new and exciting and um, even more meaningful than I thought it was the first time I read it? I mean, I think that when you're learning a new concept, or like if there's something that um it, it was sort of, I don't want to use the word hidden, but maybe hidden, maybe unclear that becomes clear. It is, it's like a light bulb. You know, light bulbs are exciting. You know, glittery things are exciting. Your eyes go to the glittery things. And I, and I, I think that when you're learning and when you're exploring the scriptures, uh, yeah, your your mind is going to be like, wow, I just, uh, Matt and I, you and Ian and I were talking earlier about uh, reading about dragons in the Bible. Yeah. I just cannot get over that. I, 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 the thing that's really interesting about that, I, I'm like, as soon as I hear something like that, yeah, I, I'm just super excited, and I go on. Like, I got to read everything about it. You know, I download PhDs. I'm like looking at all this stuff, uh, dissertations. Yeah. Um, 
but so yeah, it, the, the thing about that particular topic is interesting, and you probably want to delete this later, but I don't know what to do with it, you know. <laughs> but I think it's super interesting, right. and uh, it's just a reminder the Bible is one of those books that you can just keep diving and diving and diving and diving, and, and there isn't sort of an end to it, um, which is, uh, I, I think sometimes people think like, oh, I just, I know the Bible, you know, oh, I, yeah, I, I know the gospel, and so they kind of quote, move on, or you know, whatever. And it's like, no, no, this is that's right. you know, uh, yeah, you do. I'm sure you know it, but no. Well, I think on the heels of what you just said, that just speaking about the the serpent or the the monsters or Leviathan. And Are all you listening those to that? Are you listening to that thing? I, I have listened oh, to a man, few it's episodes. Awesome. It's, it's really good. But what what it shows me when I even hearing you speaking about it in class the other day, in fact, some of this is. When you get upon a topic like that, all of a sudden, it's stringing throughout the entire text, all the way to Revelation. So you find it right. in the garden, you find it at, at the end of the book, right. right? And the same with the feast. The feasts are going entirely throughout the Old Testament, of course, and then you come to the New Testament, and they're still vital, even until the book of Revelation. So you see um, that God is you know, weaving different threads and consistent imagery and topics all the way throughout, like the marriage covenant, for example, and the covenant of redemption and all the other covenants that we've talked about. All of those things just remain consistent throughout. And so when, when you hear something new for the first time, it's all of a sudden when you go into that study, it becomes, it's everywhere. It's kind of like where you're, you know, you're going with that. It's a more, more depth. Right. Yeah, yeah, and even beyond study, it's if unless you're doing the reading, just pure reading of the Bible, mm-hmm. you're not catching some of that. I mean, the fact that you have to know and begin to know and desire the entire corpus, right? That it's, you can study one particular book and get some of that, but when you're consistently reading throughout the scriptures, those themes come through even more clearly because you're seeing in various places, Right. And so there's just something about the discipline of that 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 becomes helpful in your own ability to get to know what God's doing. So with that in mind, tell us a little bit about this, you know, plan you have and and how you how you have been doing that. Yeah, I mean th- there's two places in the Bible that I I try to read every day and that is uh out of the Torah, so out of the first f- Five books of the Bible, and uh, and then I, I take Matthew through Acts, you know, uh, Gospels plus Acts, and so I'm trying to read something out of that every day. And, and I I usually do, you know, think in chapter blocks. Sometimes if I get excited about something, I'll do more. Mm-hmm. Usually not less. And then um, and the New Testament, just starting from you know Romans to Revelation, I you just kind of go through it. Some every once in a while, I just let I let my curiosity be my guide, you know. Right. Yeah, I'm in the Torah every day, and I just I have found just how foundational the Torah is, and um, and then and then the Gospels, of course, the, the ministry of Jesus, how foundational those are. Right. Uh, and then, other than that, I, I try to let my curiosity lead me. There was a while there where I was just reading the letters of Paul over and over again, mm-hmm. and so I, I would just you know go through Romans and then and then to, through finally and back. Um, my, one thing that I've been convicted of is my lack of knowledge on the prophets. I'm beginning to feel a lack of knowledge on wisdom literature. So I, I just start to say, what, what do I not know? And, and recently, uh, it was uh, the history of Israel. So I was, okay, I got to know this. So I go back, and I'm, I, I'm doing that now. So I'm in Chronicles, but I you know, started back um, with Judges. 
Mm-hmm. I guess, well, Joshua, I guess, back with Joshua. But along with that, I, I think it, I, it's so important to, as you're doing that, it's not just that, okay, this is me. I try to, along with it, try to get in my head as much as I can about what I'm reading. And uh, so that means, if, uh, for instance, if I'm, right now I'm, I'm in uh, Leviticus in the Torah, and I just read this morning out of chapter 18. And, and what, that, what, what I try to do is I try to understand Leviticus before, as I go into Leviticus. So I, I outline it every day. So every day I read Leviticus, I outline it, hmm. meaning that I just memorize that. So I, I know, okay, uh, if I'm in chapters 18 to 20, that is talking about moral purity, which is just coming out of the Day of Atonement, and then that's going to lead into two chapters on the priesthood, which is then going to be on three chapters on, uh, on uh, not moral, but, uh, well, it talks about the feast, but we're talking about feasts, right? But, but it's related to the opening chapters in chapters one through seven about sacrificial purity. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, but then every time I do, so I'm reading in Chronicles, I, I outline it. and it, right. So anyway, I'll stop. But it, it, it's, I was, you can edit also, but I, one thing I just, am, <laughs> I'm surprised by, um, I was talking with a teacher the other day, and they were talking about how they teach today. And they're like, well, we don't really memorize things anymore because now you can just ask, you know, Siri or right. Alexa or whatever, you know, tell me what, uh, you know, two plus two is or whatever. And so we don't memorize things anymore. Yeah. So now we just, we, we help them like learn systems or something. I don't remember what they were telling me, but I thought it was interesting. The thing that struck me is that, that when they said we don't memorize anymore. And I just think that's so wrong. I mm. think we absolutely should be memorizing. Right. Um, Memorizing dates, memorizing outlines, memorizing order, memorizing, I mean, the kings, I'm, I'm trying to memorize the kings of Israel and Jew, you know, the northern and southern kingdoms. I, what a difference that makes when I got that in my head. So when I, if it's memorized and I start reading Micah and Micah <laughs> says, well, I, you know, I was operating during the reign of Jotham and, and then that leads into right. Ahaz and then has a, if I don't understand, like, when is that? Yeah. Uh, it just makes life so much easier. Yeah. And uh, it makes the Bible connect so much easier, right. so much easier to do that. Yeah, and as known as well, um, there is no way to meditate on God's Word if it's not written on your heart to some degree, right? To have some some knowledge of it, to have, um, even if, if it's not memorizing verse and text uh, topically, and, you know, the chronological order of things like you were just talking about, that's so helpful uh, to your meditation on God's Word. So, you know, to ask, you know, Google to... Just print it out for you, or, or come up with a sermon. Is you're losing out on your your whole spiritual walk and growth, right? You, there's no spiritual growth personally if it's all done through AI, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently, everything in the future is going to be Chat GPT or whatever it is, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I was uh, looking in Psalm 37, and he says, "The law of the Lord is in his heart." You know, he's talking about the righteous, right. the righteous man. Uh, the law of the Lord is in his heart, and Look, I, and we all have different amounts of time. We all have different abilities there. I mean, I get it. And some people are going to you know, have photographic memories, and some people... I was talking with my dad, uh, and he was, he was uh, helping me give some advice about something, and he's like, yeah, that, with this verse I'm memorizing, the, the Spirit helps us in our weakness and you know, gro- groans and everything. And I didn't want to be like, Dad, you know, you mentioned that was the verse you're memorizing three or four weeks ago. Um, <laughs> the point is, is that, you know, he, he, it, the, the, I don't think it's a matter about the speed. Yeah. Right. It's the fact that, that he's doing it and, and, exactly. and how the Lord then brings that to mind. And it brings a, an encouragement and truth to my situation that he was speaking to. 
um, which if he wasn't engaged in that practice, you can't be like, hey, you know, Siri, what's the Bible verse for this guy? You know, it just isn't like, that's not what Siri does. And, and if Siri gets to that point, Lord help us. I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, like, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, through Siri. I, I just don't yeah. see that God works through uh, yeah, this, my iPad's responding to me. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, yeah. Mem- I think memorizing, and that's another thing for me is as, as increasingly, yes, I've been, I, I have that reading plan. Uh-huh. Uh, but increasingly memorizing is actually, I actually now spend more time memorizing than I do reading now. Interesting. Yeah, um, which is unexpected to me, hmm. but it but it has become what I do more. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I'd like to hear more about that. Um, the other thing is, if you're going to do uh, Bible verse memorization, for example, is to, um, when you're memorizing verse, let's say it's Philippians 4.13, a lot of people say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, know right. the context. I hear people say that all the time, and it's like that, that's not even relative to <laughs> to the rest of the body of the text, you know. So right. it's important to to know the surrounding verses of what you're learning as well and why you're learning just that verse. It's more than just the grace of Christ, for example, right? It's your life in, in practice and shedding his light to the world or whatever it, also, it might be. Um, so you, you talked about reading in like three different segments. Is that what you're... Yeah, actually, I, I read in... I mean, it's not about... It's, it's just for me personally. Sure. And, and so I don't want to put this out. You know, people listening go, oh man, he thinks he's, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, for me, it's five. So I do three different places in the Old Testament and two in the New. Always the Torah and the Gospels plus X. And right now I'm in Chronicles plus... Um, today uh, was in the Prophets um, and, and Nahum. And then... Uh, yeah, and, and then usually through the New Testament, um, this morning was in Second Corinthians. Uh, anyway, so yeah, five different places. Yeah. I, I want to press in a little bit just on the, your choice of the Torah, because uh, yeah. I think about just how much the Bible itself in the Old Testament talks about the Torah, or it talks about the law, and often it's referring to the Torah in that. So I think of like Psalm 119. You know, in, in some sense we say it was, it's talking about the whole Word of God, but in some senses... I think, you know, maybe specifically could have, you know, the Torah in mind, right, as, as is talking about that. And so, um, and it really is the foundation, you know, for everything that is to come. And so talk about how the Torah itself has been impacting your spiritual formation. What, in terms of your own heart, your own mind's desire to know God and become more Christ-like, how how is the Torah helping in that sense, or you're even making those links to what is happening in the Gospels or things like that? So talk about that, just the impact it's been having you now that you've been doing this for a number of years. Yeah, I, one thing I think is, I think some people, and I understand this, like when you're some places in the Torah are some of the most alien places in the Bible, right? Um, and so it, it can be challenging. It is challenging. And and for me, when I kind of first said I need to do this, um, I would there be certain portions that, yeah, they were challenging. Like, why am I super concerned about the layers of uh, what would go on the outside of the tabernacle? Well, it, you know, it's this leather thing. You know, and then, oh, it, yeah. it, why am I reading about how you know how many cubits are here? Um, but it, it has uh, over time taken on a life that I didn't expect. And I've only been doing it for maybe four or five years. And, and I look forward to the next, you know, Lord willing, 30 to 40 years, if the Lord would allow that, where it opens up things that um, open up other things. 
where, like, for instance, in the New Testament, uh, I don't think we think much about purity. Right. Um, and I think we think about moral purity. Yeah. But not, I think they were concerned about ritual purity. At, yeah, purity means don't look at pornography. Yeah, yeah, and praise God, that's true. But, yeah. um, but it's more than that. It's more than, yeah, yeah. and Jesus, I mean, the Gospels are concerned about that. Uh, sometimes I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So, but that, to me, th- those are, like, you're, you're like in a hallway full of doors. And, like, that's a door I want to open up and explore more of. Right. Um, and then, I, you know, I actually have some material that I'm kind of waiting to get to that I think will open that a little bit. But unless you're kind of in the Torah, I don't think you're seeing the door. I, I, I think there's just like a curtain over it, and you don't even know there's a door there. And then, you know, the, the, the Torah helps you see, you know, this, this, God's concerned here. Mm-hmm. Um, w- you know, the woman uh, who has been bleeding, you know. Right. Like, what's going on with that? Uh, why is Jesus, you know, make sure that when you're healed, you go back and tell the, you know, tell the priest. Like, what's going on with that? Um, I mean, it's so many things. Right. That well, it gets to... Torah, it, yeah. but, like for me, it yeah. has been, it helped me understand holiness in a different way. Mm-hmm. That holiness is more than just God's moral purity, mm-hmm. right? That there's there's a a greater grandeur of who God is, and and this kind of separation that we have between Him as humans, and and especially as a result of the fall, that it's communicating something to us about. Um, the nature of our hearts and the nature of the impact of the world around us. So it's not just that my heart wants to do something bad, but it also, when I do act, there's a residue that is left behind. And there's, and there's, you know, it's like a throwing a pebble into a lake and there's this ripple effect of sin. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about you know, like the book of Leviticus and, all, and, and even the creation of the, the tabernacle that is trying to communicate some of that to the people that are trying to be near God, that he's got to deal with not just their individual heart, but he's, got to, he's also got to deal with all the ripple effects, right? Yeah, I, 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 that's, I praise the Lord, I think. That, that, yeah. I think at times, if I'm honest— I feel like I'm trying to understand, first off, what does it mean? And, and like what you're saying, for instance, that whole residue thing, yeah. you know, and this idea of blood, is uh, they describe it as a detergent or something. <laughs> I, I, I read it, and I, I'm trying to understand it, and I, and I ask the question, like, Lord, what, what, what is this in this here? Like, what, what is going on here? And I just think it's important, if this is the Word of God, that we, we wrestle and sit and allow those questions. Those, we should ask the same questions. We should ask the questions the text are asking. Yeah. And, and the, the thing is, often not, I don't walk away going, I don't know, but I need to keep asking, mm-hmm. and then I need to keep searching. And I, I think people just go like, oh, that's just Old Testament stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's unfortunate. I mean, that's the, uh, the real travesty uh, of, a, of a whole dispensational, I know we're not going to go there, the whole thing, but uh, uh, an approach. That's all right, we do it all the time. Do you? Okay. <laughs> I'll just use the phrase, the, an approach, a hermeneutical approach that... Uh, seeks to, or doesn't seek to, but just by implication does say, well, that's just not us. You know, that, that that's for a different group. And, and I think we're, I think we're meant to kind of sit in it and kind of just stay there and go, what is this? Uh, what's going on? You know, why is it so important that you know there's this little altar in front of the of the of the you know the holy of holies? You know that that just you know 
why is it so important that there's this? I mean, I know, I know more you sit in, you go, but I think when you first read it, you're like, why is this important? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was real obvious to the people who read it the first time, and it's not so obvious to us, and it's just not so obvious to me. Mm-hmm. But I like, I just want to sit in it. I want to allow God to open those doors for me and say, okay, you know, Chris, even if you don't get it now, just keep reading it over and over and over again. I'll, you know, keep reading it. And maybe at some point in 10 years from now, something will open up. When we think about the Word of God and the confidence that we were to have in it, even when there are these unanswered questions or we're not seeing stuff, there's. do you still find, I, I in hearing you talk, I, I'm hearing you say, but God's even, even in the uncertainty at times, God's revealing himself to me. There's this ongoing growing and revealing of himself in in the scriptures mm-hmm. to us in our relation to him. And so when you're when you're pressing into those things and that curiosity arises, do you do you find your heart softening more because of that? Your do you find is this just purely a mental exercise or do you find yourself, you know, being really drawn into this fact that gosh this this God who made the universe actually is revealing. He wants to be known, right? And he wants to be known even in this, <laughs> this stuff I have trouble understanding. You know what I'm getting at a little bit? I mean, I think I probably should feel that more. Um, I, I I think that for, for me, it, it, it's, it's about, uh, I don't know the word that comes to mind is inculcation. I, you know what I mean by oh. that word? Um it's about being formed yeah. um, into a way of seeing the world that is uh, being molded by this text. And, and I want this text to be what orientates me to everything else. And so, yeah, is God revealing what, you know, what, what, I, what, I, what I think I'm less doing now than I used to do? I don't know if this is good or bad. I'm more reading it going like, what is this saying? Um, and and I don't read it as much now. Maybe, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad. Maybe I'll get a bunch of emails going like, oh, man, this is our pastor. <laughs> I'm not as much like, you know, I don't read it as devotionally. Mm-hmm. It is devotional. Right. But, but I'm not, I don't read it and go, I don't read it and then say, okay, now, you know, when I go and talk to my neighbor, how is this going to... You know, I'm, I'm just not asking that question as right. much. I, but I am asking a lot of the questions of like, what is this saying? What is right. this saying? Um, and then how, what, what, is, what is this... I don't know. I'm not communicating much here, but like, what is this whole thing? Right. Um, as a whole. And I'm, I'm convinced of this. Unless you are in it and you are letting it wash over you, I think part of it is just let this text wash over you. Almost like stop trying to like, just let it wash over you. Get in the water and put your head under and just sit there. Right. And, and I think that's for me what it is more and more, right. just sitting in it and letting this text begin to shape me without like, I don't know. I'm not really answering your question. Well, no, I think what I'm perceiving is that because you're so convinced that this is God's word, right? And that yeah. he is he is interested in transforming your mind <laughs> and your heart yeah. um, 
to become more and more like Christ. Mm -hmm. The way to do that, you can't have your mind transformed if you're not in it, if it's not washing over you, if it's not, you know, um, you have to let it come in in order for it to change you. You know, I think the you can fall off the log, you know, sometimes on either side, and you can, on one side, you can just worship the text itself instead of the God behind the text. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you can fall in, off the log in, in the mystical sense and just say, God, speak to me, you know, without letting, using the ordinary means he's given us to speak, <laughs> right? And right. and I think what you're saying is you're so convinced that this means of grace of the word has been given to us by God for that purpose that you've you've got to be in it. I mean, the, 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 if you try to to be formed spiritually into the mind of Christ without being in the Word and letting it do its work, you're not going to get there. I think so. I think that's better said than I did. I, I think so. That um, I want to figure out that book. <laughs> right. I want to figure it out. Well, I think you might have to jump in for a second. Yeah, the uh, idea that you were speaking on the understanding of the New Testament in, in light of the Old, you know, as well, is the the Old Testament is two thirds of the entire Bible, at least, right? And I would add to what you were saying earlier is that if you don't understand your Old Testament, you're only understanding about one or one third of the new Testament fully, right? Because so much of it is in light of the old Testament. You got to get out of second gear. And the way to do that is to go back to the history of it. And I understand what people say when they're thinking, well, we're on this side of the cross. We're saved by the grace of Jesus. And that is absolutely true. But Jesus is the word. He's the word of life. And when we go to Luke, what is it? 23 on the Emmaus road trip. For example, what does he do? He points back to Moses and the prophets and the writings and says, these are all the things that were written of me. And with that, we should we should understand what that Old Testament is saying because it's Christ. You know, when the word of the Lord comes, that's the logos that's that's speaking. That's the that's the word of God. That's Jesus Christ, the second person in the Trinity, the angel of the Lord, all those other aspects is really Christ you know, the pre-incarnate Christ speaking to us, and it all points to him. So uh, we can't understand the book of Revelation, for example, unless we know our, our Old Testament in light of it, and also the genres of the book, too. So um, speak maybe a little bit about um, the genre of the literature um, when you're when you're talking about, like, the prophets or um, the writings. Is that Do you take that into account when you're reading? I mean, I know you do, but, I mean, in which way are you cognizant of that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's really, yeah, and I think you're right, you know, in terms of the foundation that the Old Testament lays for the New Testament to be built on, that when you're reading, you have to be aware of the, the genre and the, the literature and to the extent that you can, the time period and uh, the, the intention of, of what the author is trying to communicate always. And it, to the extent that you ignore that, um, I I, you know, I just think you're going to end up in some places that uh, the original author would be surprised. Like, oh, that's not what I meant to communicate. So yeah, I think it's always important to begin with what am I reading? What what's the genre and all that for sure. sure. Yeah. And you're currently teaching a class on Wednesday nights about this whole thing. So give a little plug for your Wednesday night class. Wednesday here. night class. 
Uh, yeah, Wednesday night, um, we're talking about hermeneutics and interpretation, and uh, there's a book by John Walton called uh, like Wisdom for Faithful Reading or something, which is funny, because I, when I look at the book, I don't really love a lot of what he does in it, uh, <laughs> but I like him, and... Um, and once he does these interpretations, I'm like, oh, John, I don't know. You're smarter than me, so I'm sure you're right, but I don't know. Uh, but I think his principles in there are pretty sound. This is an example. I'm not sure. Like, I think sometimes Walton and people like that, one thing I like about reading from different places in the scriptures all at once is you do begin to, when over the course of time, and with the help of other books and other things, make these connections. As an example, just this morning, I was reading in Chronicles, and it talked about David and how he was uh, victorious over uh, the, the nations around him. And it says that when he did that, and there was a particular king that he killed, I, I, it starts with a, I don't remember what it was, a Syrian king, I think. Um, not a Syria, but a Syrian, Syrian. king. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Assyria was really around, or not much. Um, and it is said that they brought in all the treasure, all the the gold and the silver from the nations that he had been victorious over was brought into Jerusalem. And that made me think. I was like, oh, the king who is victorious over surrounding nations and he brings in their treasure into Jerusalem. Mm. Like, I wonder... Because, you know, okay, then I go to Revelation 21 where it talks about yeah. the the... Kings. Now there it says the honor and the glory of the nations. So then I be, then, then okay, then you start looking up other translations, right? And you start looking at the original language, like, well, okay, that's what the ESV says, but you know, so what in a way. Right. Well, yeah. uh, and in a different translation will talk about the wealth of the nations being brought in. Anyway, the point is, is like to what extent I sometimes I think when we talk about the glory of the nations being brought in, it's sort of like the we think, and maybe it's right, I don't know, sort of the cultural artifacts of culture. So, you know, the Chinese will bring in the glory of the Chinese and the Africans will bring in the, you know, and maybe that, maybe maybe even likely that's what it means. But it was interesting to read it through this lens of what David accomplished in Chronicles, which is, I don't remember that. And I have to go back and see if that's what happens in uh, Samuel. I don't remember that. And Chronicles is written later. And so to what extent of Revelation is actually just talking about the 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 prosper the wealth I mean and you look at the New Jerusalem and it, yeah oh you know the streets are paved with gold I mean <laughs> I mean obviously everything's from the Lord but it, it just it just opens up something it just right. I, I it just I, I just wrote in the March of my Bible Revelation twenty one and I might look at it in three years from now and go that was a stupid thought it's, <laughs> it's not that at all you know right but I think I think the Bible invites us to ask that you yeah. know and to look unless you are reading all the time. I'm not, and I'm not special, unless somebody is doing that. I don't know if we'd see that. Right. Oh, that David conquers these nations. First off, we're even reading Chronicles at all. And then, you know, can we, can we make a potential connection to someplace like? Right. And, and what does that have to do with, for instance, the, the Israelites plundering the Egyptians when they left? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they, they take, what's that got to do with anything? Maybe nothing, but I think the Bible is asking us these questions yeah. to invite us to ask that. And... When we're reading the Bible, you, you have to read the Bible in an ongoing, regular way, I, mm-hmm. or else you will not. Okay, you will not. Um, it's yeah. highly unlikely. I, I think you will not make that. Right. And 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 again, I'm not smart or special. I think it's just being intentional. Yeah. And I think in some ways that's as I've been thinking about this, and I've been challenged by others. Is 
somewhat it means to meditate on the scriptures. It doesn't mean that I just like sit with my arms crossed and legs crossed and quote the same verse over and over again. That's it's this isn't transcendental meditation of Eastern religions, but to meditate on scriptures, to think about it and to ask and make those connections, right? And right. to use the Bible Project guys who we talked about their podcast earlier, um, right. the, the, the hyperlinks they use that term hyperlink or Tim Mackey does anyway. And yeah, what are those? And, and if and if you're not reading throughout the scriptures, you're not necessarily picking up those hyperlinks that are there. Right, and and so there's something healthy about that. Um, yeah, so, I think so. Yeah, so I want to get this as it relates now to kind of transition into your preaching. So your um, God's given you this wonderful gift uh, to communicate and, and preach, uh, and put you in this position as our lead pastor to do that. And you've always, as I've heard you, even when you were an assistant associate here, used your gift well, but. There's been an evolution even within you, you know, in your preaching, and and I think that this whole thing that you've been going through in terms of your Bible reading and and this has really um, formed you as a preacher. And so, can you talk a little bit about that? That this this spiritual formation is being used with for the good of the body, and how you you feel like it, it's helped you um, use your gift more clearly and better. Yeah. Well. That's kind of you to say. I, well, I, a couple of thoughts on that. I, I think what we are immersed in is going to, I mean, not just as preachers, just period, mm-hmm. it's going to affect our outlook on what we do, our relationship. And so, of course, this is going to have a, a, a change in the outlook on preaching. I, I would say one thing is this, less so now than over the last few, not only this makes you a better or worse preacher, I don't know, but I'm less concerned about illustrating... I'd say this, I am looking more now than I was before about how the Bible illustrates itself. I I would much rather find ways within the scriptures to illustrate the point with the scriptures. Um, It doesn't mean you can't use modern examples, and you do. I mean, of course. I mean, Jesus did, right? Look at the birds, you know, he would would tell stories. You know, he was a good storyteller as well. Of course, he's... Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Tell me, hey, that wasn't a great story. You know, you are God. But um, yeah, so, but I think before I was much more concerned about, well, what, what, how, what story am I going to tell? Like, you know, how, how am I going to like, I think now I'm just more like, let the, no, let, let the, the text speak for itself. Let the text illustrate itself. And whether or not that makes it more or less interesting, I don't know. But um I think that's been a shift, I think. I mean, it's only, I've only been doing it for five or six years or whatever it's been. And, and whether or not it's good or not, I don't know. But I think that's been a, a shift in me with this thing of like, man, I really need, just need to know the Bible. And, 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 and I think, too, uh, there's a, a, a greater burden for me. I don't, and I don't know how you feel, but I want the people who come to know the Bible better. Right. And... There's nothing wrong with telling an anecdotal story, which is very moving. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's good. But I would rather them know more of Scripture. Right. And especially if I can connect it to something they haven't heard. Right. Like, oh, I, I, I don't you know. You remember this story? And people go like, oh, yeah, that story. Right. I think I heard that when I was like in elementary school. Well, let's remind ourselves because this is the Bible. Right. Would I, would I rather tell a story there or would I rather, you know, there's nothing wrong with the other thing. And that, that's actually, and I'll stop, um, 
it's affected the kind of books I read too. Like, I, I, have you noticed this? I mean, I, I, modern books are great. Like, praise the Lord for all publishing and people are trying to communicate the gospel. So this is not a slight on anyone. It's just a, it's about it's anecdotal to myself. Okay. I am less and less. I, I'm just not interested as much as I used to be on books where it's just filled with stories, I, and it's nothing wrong with that. But I, I'm like, you know, I want to know the Bible. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. You had an experience in an airport, and that helped. You know, I, I, that's fine. I, I'm glad you had an experience in an airport, and you you tell a story about it. But but help me understand the text. I, I want to understand the Bible. Like I want to understand what the Word of God is. Um, and I'm just less interested in that. Yeah. And that, I don't know if that comes. I don't know if you would you agree? I don't know if that come off less than. <laughs> I think that's probably opposite of what a preaching person would say you should do. Because what I hear nowadays, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but what I hear nowadays is that people are that if you're going to be really effective as a preacher, you got to tell more stories, mm-hmm. and and you got to be more like relatable by telling modern examples. And I find myself doing less of it. Right. So yeah. I don't know people. I know. would think so, and I think that the churches that do that. Um, and there's some mighty big ones, begin to tickle ears more than exposit the Word of God, which is what we want people to know. And I wouldn't be sitting under your teaching if if that's what you were doing or the way you were handling it. The reason that I, I come to you is because I want to know what the author of the particular book, which is, of course, God in, in, at, at the root, but what the author was was intending to write to the audience and then that can become applicable in my life, but it, it has to, it has to go back to the to the root of the of the intended story, right? Like people I, people try to spin the parables of Jesus and and put it into a modern day, and it loses ninety percent of its intention. And so I, I, I thank you for you know preaching that way for sure. Yeah, and I think one thing I sense is that because it's been very helpful to me sitting under your preaching as well is that I don't get the sense that you're trying to prove how smart you are. I hope right? not, Mick. Well, no, that's right. a problem. Well, right, but, but I mean, you know, sometimes, because, I mean, you don't necessarily, you will, it when, it's, when it's needed, you'll spend some time in the Hebrew or the Greek or sometimes, but I, you know, and so there's some really smart men out there who are good preachers, and mm-hmm. but there are times I feel like, and I, even when, when I do have the opportunity to preach, sometimes I even find myself wanting to fall into that, is like, I, I want to, sh- you know, show you that I can, I'm getting to the right thing here. Yeah. But I, I sense for you, you really have a heart for your congregation, for our church, to be making those connections, right? That mm-hmm. Part of the reason you're doing that because you want your people under your care to know their Bibles. It's yes. not, that's the reason you're doing it. Yes. And I get the sense of that, and, I, and, I, and I, I feel like the congregation is responding to that, right? That, that there's a—it's it's not to just— Prove a point, but it's actually to say, "Look how cool the Bible is, <laughs> right?" Well, yeah, that's well. I, well, I'm, well, praise the Lord that if that comes out at all, I'm blessed because yeah. that's totally right. Is that look? If we get up and we just think, you know, because you're a great preacher as well, and if we get up there and we're just like, "Well, you know, welcome to seminary class five to six, and you know, open your you know, your textbook to page five. If everyone falls asleep, you'd be like, "Yeah, I get it," you know. Right. So you you. But people are attracted to passion, I think. Mm-hmm. And look, this is what I found. I don't know if you agree with this. You don't have to tell a story to pull on people's hearts. You have to. You have to take. You have to take something that has just God has brought to you that you are convinced of one hundred and ten percent, and then you just take that and you just. I don't know. It's not like press, but you're just like, look at this. Yeah. 
Um, and, and you do it like with, with the kind of ethos, the pathos, whatever yeah. Aristotle word is supposed to be the right one. Uh, it's pathos. Is it pathos? Yeah. 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 Ethos is, th- anyway, whatever. Yeah. I should know that, but I don't. Because um, I'm not smart, right? Because I can't just prove how smart I am. I can't even do that. Aristotle will be disappointed. But it, I think there is something infectious about that. Right. In, look, the Holy Spirit... I understand there are tares in the wheat, mm-hmm. but if, if, the, if part of the purpose, and that's why the gospel always needs to be presented, and everything has to go like, how's the gospel, you know, some sermons going to do that better than others, and I listen to people, the people I love to listen to are really good at that. Like Tim Keller is an example, you know, just, yeah, it, it, we, you know he's, a, he's a loss, um, but his, his legacy, I think, is partly that. Right. Is bringing the gospel, but... Um, that the people there that are the wheat, you know, that have the Holy Spirit, there's there's a hunger there, right? Through the Holy Spirit, and when you preach truth to the extent that, because the, the only way that anything is true from the pulpit, uh, in terms of that moment in that place, is because it is it is an accurate unveiling of the truth of the message of the Bible, and and I my understanding, you know, because. It says that love delights in the truth, delights in it. Yeah. So if love delights in the truth, then when truth is put forward, and hopefully in a somewhat winsome way, then the Holy Spirit within people should light up. It should light up. It should be like, oh. Right. Yeah. Um, either thank you for reminding me of that, or thank you for showing me that, or like, or like there's some, not even just like thank you, Pastor, but like thank you, God. Like thank you. Like th- there should be some sort of response. And... I think sometimes as preachers, I can be way too concerned with doing more than I think what the, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the text. Like, what, what is the Holy Spirit doing in the text? It's my, hopefully, the preacher's job to unpack that and, and let the rest, let the chips fall where they will. Right. Uh, and I think too often when I listen to some preachers who are very effective communicators, I like listen with envy. Somebody says, love does not envy, you know. Yeah. Not only <laughs> delights in the truth, but does not envy. Um, but what, what if I was to be envious of them? Uh, they're great at giving advice. They, they just like they just seem to know these nuggets of stuff. I'm like, where did you get that? That's awesome, you know. But then I'm looking. I'm like, I don't know if you got that from the text though. But boy, that's a really catchy phrase. Yeah. <laughs> and I wish I would have come up with that phrase because it communicates great. Um, but but I think when you when you're really just sticking to what is the text really trying to get at, right? And and just bring the passion of the Holy Spirit right. to it. People will respond, right? And, and when you do that, you're more apt to preach grace than just preach advice, right? Because there's, a, there's so. a difference. I hope yeah. so. I, but I, I wonder sometimes, like, do you think this, like, I think that has to do with the disposition at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking to Pastor Alberta, and, uh, and one thing he said to me, because at the time I was frustrated, and I was frustrated, um, and I think Richard could tell. And it was, I, we had just kind of... Just before he died, I, I was in the role for maybe six months, nine months or something. And at the time, I had my particular things that I thought, well, everyone else should just be like this, but they're not, you know? <laughs> and that's always going to be true. Yeah. Um, and I think he could get a sense of it. And he took me out to the lunch, and he, and he said, he asked me, I don't know if it was a question, but I remember the, the sort of sentiment of it. And he said, you know, you got to love them first. You know, and... I, I, I think that um, 
just having that sort of posture mm-hmm. of, um, in fact, one thing I, every once in a while, like probably like once every two or three weeks, I get up and I, I start off in my head, I like mentally say to myself, love them, love them. Not because I don't. Right. But because it, it, it just, it, the reason- It helps if, with tone. It does. And I think, okay, if yeah. you don't, okay, I think you can end up preaching something that isn't gracious. Yeah. You know, the, Rosaria Butterfield, now I don't know if this is a, a quote that is accurate. I heard someone say, this is what she said. And, and it, is, this, is this quote even valid? But the quote was, truth without love is violence. And I, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I think it's worth like thinking about. Truth without love is violence. If you get up and you preach the truth, but there's no love in it, right. I, I think that crushes people or can. Right. Like even this last week, you know, we're preaching about sharing the gospel. Yeah. That can leave pe- that can condemn people. Right. And I wondered, actually, I love thinking about that. Yeah. Like, oh man, you know, how much was my time there to talk about God's word? How much was that? Did people leave encouraged? Did people leave crushed? Yeah. Like, what did they leave with? I don't know. Um, but I think I could have done a lot more in that to go, th- this is a message that should enc- I, I would, you would want to encourage you be- and not to just make you go home and feel like you're a terrible person. Right. And, I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with conviction. But conviction is different than condemnation. And I think if, if preachers aren't careful, if I'm not careful, I can end up doing that. Right. And I can do it. Oh, man, it's so easy. Yeah. It's so easy right. to do. Because... Well, they call it a bully pulpit, man. It's not without reason. You <laughs> yeah. get up there and point your fingers, and you can crush people right. in God's name. Right. And I think, you know, I don't know if it would be violence, you know, but First Corinthians 13, what Paul is saying there, that's obvious, you know, that you can, if you're speaking the truth and you're, you can be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, you can yeah. be abrasive and, and you right. can not be heard, right? And so... And the I Pharisees think, would say true things sometimes. Yeah, right. You know, but anyway. Yeah. So what... To, to keep going on this just one more little bit is um, when we had Don Neiman and Sarah Hunt in here mm-hmm. to talk about worship as spiritual formation. And one thing we talked in there and they talked about in terms of leading people down the road of worship is you can't lead someone someplace you yourself haven't been. And so we talked about even in their week's preparation of doing that, uh, of le- to lead people. Uh, and so what I hear you saying, even as, as you're wrestling with the text and as you're preparing that message, that it's got to be doing something in you first mm-hmm. as you're, before you're bringing it to them. And so can you just talk a little bit about that journey for you throughout the week or, you know, as you're, as you're letting the Word do its work, its means of grace in you before you bring it to others? Yeah, I think it's—I uh, wish I could have been to hear that conversation with Don and Sarah. I'm sure they had some great insight. Um, I think that's true for me. Like, some people— I wish I was more this way. You're this way. Okay. You're, you're like me. And, and this is not necessarily a good thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not good. I can think a little bit ahead, but I can't think real far ahead. And I, I don't know if it's an excuse or, or if this is just the way God's wired me, but the, the reason I use for why that is is because I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me there. Like, what's going on now? Um, and, and there, I think there needs to be a freshness to the Word of God, mm-hmm. which is why, at least for me, I, I, I might feel differently in 20, 30 years. And this is, again, not against anyone who goes, well, this, I'm, I'm pulling out a sermon from 1998, and I'm just going to preach it. Right. But I don't like that. 
Yeah. I wouldn't want to do that. I don't think. Every once in a while I've done that because I've been asked to be a guest preacher somewhere and I'll pull out some old sermon. And I can tell. Like, the fire's not there. Hmm. The fire, like, comes because there's, like, a moment. There's, there's like, a thing between yeah. you and the Holy Spirit. And actually, I, I, there have been times, and I, may, I don't know if you can speak to this too, but where it, maybe, it's, maybe it's a Thursday and yeah. I ain't feeling it. <laughs> and I, when I ain't feeling it, like, I get nervous. Like, uh, I know Bible says don't be anxious about anything, but mm. I get a little nervous. And it's I, really it, bad when it's Friday night. <laughs> well, yeah, and I remember you talking like even on Saturdays, you're like, you know, I don't think I could do that. You know, Saturday is what it is. I mean, but I, I, if that starts happening, I can't sleep. Like I, I start my mind's like, I not, you know what? In my head, I'm going, Lord, you better do something. Like, yeah, there, there's a verse, and I, I bring it to mind. Maybe the Holy Spirit brings it to mind uh, when I'm in those places, and that's from Exodus where God is sending Moses, and he says, therefore go, I'll be with your mouth, and I will teach you what to say. And I say, Lord, you got to give it to me, man, because I, look, here's the thing. I can get up there, and I can say things. You know, I can deliver something, but I don't want to just do that. Right. It'll feel, I, look, if that's what it is to be a preacher, I can go be a musician. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to, I want to feel like, and this is an emotional thing, I want to feel like this is God. Look, okay, this is, I don't know, it sounds like some kind of God complex. I want to feel like this is God's message for his people now. Right. And I want to feel convicted about that. And if I don't feel convicted about that, like, it's not a good thing. I don't want to be in the pulpit. I want to feel like this is God's message for his people now. And so, yeah, that's a process through the week. Yeah. And, uh, and praise God. Every week, there's been something that feels like that. Right. Every once in a while, you know, you're like, well, you know, point, you know, because we, you know, good reform people, we do three points or whatever we do. <laughs> oh, recently I've been two and three two. Three points in a poem. Three <laughs> points in a poem. <laughs> I'm not going you know, to go pull some poems in. Uh, but whatever the, every once in a while, you're like, you know, one of the points, it feels a little bit more like, yeah, that's maybe a little bit more me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying God's not there. Right. But if there's, there's got to be some point where it's just like, you just, and you, that's why I like preaching without notes, is there is something in you that just like, psh, I yeah. don't know, I don't know how to say it. It just kind of lights up. And then you're in the moment, and you're like, here we go. Right. Um, it feels different every time, but mm-hmm. uh, sometimes that's a dangerous point. Yeah. But anyway. I, I kind of like to close with just having your, just some general thoughts in terms of just topic of spiritual formation as we think about you know, I'm the pastor of discipleship here, and so I'm trying to think what is a one of the questions we asked in in some of our meetings with my team is what is a growing disciple of Jesus? You know, and trying to you know can we formulate that or come up with a little paragraph or sentence that that, that says that? And it's I always get a little uncomfortable because I'm like I'm going to leave something out or it's it's going to be incomplete. You know, <laughs> um, but. As you think about that, and you think about that moment, and 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 what you're trying to communicate to the the congregation, and where we're leading them, mm-hmm. as you think just in the general idea of spiritual formation, we've been using the term "conform to the image of Christ" as kind of a driving thing from from Romans eight. But mm-hmm. as you think about that, your hopes, your vision, obviously from the Lord, the of what that is, uh, and how how do you envision that? Uh, especially as it relates, because I know I'm asking this because 
as we've had some discussions about that, you always bring up the Word of God. You want people to know their Bibles better, and you, you, that's so important to you for that whole process, right? Yeah, So, huge. So, so can you put that, more words to that, you know, as it relates to this, that um, what, what's that, how is that forming going to happen? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, and these are just thoughts. Um, it's interesting living in Michigan, like the land of engineers. <laughs> Easy. Which <laughs> <laughs> well, is nothing wrong with engineers. Praise God. Um, you, I don't, I don't, you just had to change your whole comment, didn't you? I did. I had to walk that back. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Go ahead. Sorry. Because um, the, the way an engineer thinks is I, I appreciate it and praise God because, well, we need, we need people that think like that. I just don't. Not everybody can be a trumpet player. Right? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I, I think that there's like a way of approaching it that's formulaic. And that's not bad. Like, I think in some senses, even the scriptures kind of present at times like, hey, it's this, then this, you know, suffering produces endurance, produces character, produces hope. I mean, there's sort of a sequence. You see the same thing yeah. in Second Peter where it talks about, you know, this, this is leading to virtue and everything. Um, for me, I, I, I think more of, I, I think about it like as a, a musician, because I guess that's my background. Right. So like, what does it mean to become a better trumpet player? And but being a better trumpet player, you need to be intentional. So I, but, but how you're intentional. And I think that there, there should be things that just are regular things that we do. And we just, to use that ordinary means of grace, I, I heard people talk about like in terms of like streams, like get in the water, you know, um, and there's just certain things we just need to be doing. You can call it legalism, you can call it whatever you want. You can call me a legalist, but I look, there's certain things you need to be doing every day, like every day. Right. Like, you know, if you, it's not like, there's certain things, okay, this is where, a trumpet player. There's certain things I got to do every day if I'm going to be a trumpet player that's worth my salt, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, every once in a while you'll miss a day. That's okay. You know, that's life. But if, if my life in playing the trumpet doesn't have consistency, consistency, I will not be a good trumpet player. And I think the Christian life's similar. You need to have, okay, you need to have. I think it would be good to have. <laughs> Um, consistency, that it's about habit formation. But they talk about this in uh, the ancient world, and I think Jesus is the way that he would think and the way the scriptures present it, especially when we look at that list in Second Peter, when it, it talks about virtue and you know habits. There's certain habits that we just need to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might go, well, I don't know if I have time for that, or, you know, well, then make time for it. I don't know how right. to tell people this. Like, it, it, you need to have a habit of drinking water. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't know if I have time for that. You will make it. Read your Bible every day. I think it's good to have a plan for that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not legalistically, like, but I say, if you're not reading your Bible every day, you got to do that. You got to do that. Like, do you love Jesus? I mean, I'm going to sound like, you know, harsh now, but come on. 
Well, you and I have talked about there's a difference between legalism and obligation, right? If we think about a covenant relationship, there's certain things I need to do with my wife because I love her and I'm loyal to her, right? Yeah, why would you and not I've got to be to? committed to do that. And it's not legalism, it's it's covenant love. It's the same thing with our relationship with Christ, right? Yeah, I same with prayer. I mean, prayer is not something we've talked about, but I think that's prayer, one of the means of grace. We, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same sort of thing, and I think part of the issue is is that we're waiting till these things feel natural. Well, once once it feels natural, then I'll just start doing it. And as soon as I make a little more money, I'll begin to tithe. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's another example. <laughs> and we want to be gracious in these things, and I, we all do. But look, that's what I would say. Spiritual formation is regular engagement with the reg- the ordinary means of grace that God has given. And then to just trust that you will grow. You will grow. I mean, it's, it's I, I, as an example, I, I just pulled out some old railroad ties out of my yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all rotted. Why? People thought that was cool in the 80s, but all these <laughs> railroad ties in their yard, like, What's up with that anyway? Yeah. <laughs> now they're all rotted. Now the rest of us have to go pull them out 40 years later, whatever. Anyway, so you put down, you know, pull them out, and then I've got all this exposed soil. Right. So what do you do? You, you, know, you can't just leave it a little road. I mean, there's a reason why they put those railroad ties there, right? So for me, I, you know, I, I could just kind of grade a little bit and uh, put some topsoil down, and I put some seed on it. Okay, this is one thing I found out, because I'm you know, not, again, not the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to some things. If you just take seed and you put it out on top of the soil, what happens? Nothing. <laughs> and, you know, I think sometimes we, we approach the Christian life that way. Well, I'll just go through life and, I, you know, it, it'll just all work out. Right. Sorry. Well, wh- why, why am I not growing, you know? Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why am I thirsty all the time? Well, you know, maybe you should drink some water. It, you, you have to prepare the soil. You put the seeds into it. You, 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 put some, you, you water. And when you do that, you do that with expectation that grass will grow. Yeah. And guess what? It does. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the Christian's life like that. Look, it, it, it's, this is all. Then I'll stop. It's not rocket science. Exactly. It's not rocket science. How do I grow? First off, if we've embraced the Holy Spirit and we have a faith, so sometimes you're like, why are you not growing? I mean, some kind of, maybe you have a diet, you know, are you a believer? I mean, I don't want to judge anyone. It's not that, but it's not, we read, test yourself. Exactly. Test yourself. So there's that. Um, but I think after that, it's just read the Bible and be intentional, pray, be intentional, be in fellowship and worship, be intentional, just be intentional. Yeah. And then... Look, and then I say that's it. Yeah, I, I didn't just, and then just wait thirty years, and you'll be more of a Christian. <laughs> am I, am I, what do you think? Is that wrong? I mean, no, I think so. I think that there was the Westminster divines had God gave them some wisdom and just call this the ordinary means. There's a reason they use the word ordinary. It's right. not difficult. No, you know. Now sometimes understanding the Bible can be difficult. And we talked about in season one that there is the clarity and then the simple things are there. You, right. you, you, it's hard to miss that God forgives us in Jesus. Um, you know, but there's just the but it doesn't take a lot to just get out your Bible and start reading. And then and then also to to just have some little helps along the way. Get yourself a Bible yeah. dictionary, yes. right? Yes. Get, you know, use use you the blue letter Bible or whatever that's out there and you know and, and be inquisitive about the things you don't understand, but but it's just a matter really of I mean, in you know, 
when it comes to salvation, Nike's got it wrong. When it comes to Bible reading, they got it right. Just do it. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the Planted Podcast, and the whole idea of the Psalm 1 scenario is to be planted by, you know, living water. Right. And that living water is the Word of God. And this world, for the believer, if you are stagnant, it's like living in quicksand. You actually retract, right? Unless you're, unless you're proactive or intentional, as you just said, Pastor, unless you're intentional and proactive in your reading and your studying and getting together with groups, anything that's edifying to the body of believers and, and yourself— um, you're you're gonna you're gonna go backwards, and so this is a life of progress. You know, my little um, personal podcast is True Three Sixteen. That's and everybody says, "Oh, John Three Sixteen." I said, "No, it's Second Timothy Three Sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work." Right? And but there's more to that because it talks about um this world and it's it's ailing right this world world, world that that we live in is, is ailing and the time's going to come and it, it it's here right now that the churches are filled with people with itching ears just to hear what tickles them right and the pastors are giving it to them and you're not you're giving them the unadulterated wow. word of god praise god for me yeah and so thanks you know i think it means a lot and this is what we do and we when I teach, I often say, don't worry, you know, if somebody, if I say something, somebody gets their back up a little bit. I said, don't worry, I've got something to offend everybody. Because if we're teaching the Word of God right, we grow when we're, when we're made uncomfortable. You know, there, there's something about the Scripture that I didn't understand properly. Um, and you just explained it in a way that, oh, I've got to change, right? Which is about the transforming power of, of the Spirit in our lives to be more like Christ. That's good. Change is never easy, but, you know— um, that expositional teaching that you, that you do is is so critical to this church, and um, I've I've jokingly, but only half jokingly, have said to Pastor Matt, what we need to do is grow our group of a hundred down to about twenty people. We'll grow it down to people that want to be serious about the Word of God, and in a sense, that's that's kind of happening. And then then the growth happens again because <laughs> <It's> happening. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> He's talking about our class. Oh, you're, oh, oh. <laughs> He's talking about our church. He's talking about our church. I'm in trouble. No, the last thing, and I know you probably want to wrap this up. I want one more thing. Is that all right? Yeah, one absolutely. That, and and that is uh, the the thing that I when I say easy, I, I is that hey, okay. I think for us, I'm going to sit down and read my Bible. That's easy. Okay, assuming you can read. Um, but I do think there is a hard thing that if we're going to grow, and that is obedience, mm-hmm. and that's hard. Okay. Especially when the Holy Spirit's bringing something to mind like, okay, man, uh, that's got to go. Right. You know, and I think that being in the Word and in prayer are the means by which God is going to grow you, but that growth is, I'm talking, I wanted to correct, I'm like, oh, this is easy, just simple, you'll grow just by reading the Bible. No, yes, but I think the the other part of that, you know, use the, uh, uh, the engineer thing, the equation uh, is you have to obey it, right? And that's not easy. And there's going to be some things where you know Jesus says, "Unless you lose your life." The thing is, I, you know, I don't know who, like how many people listen to this, but 
I think most people who would listen to this, they probably already know Jesus, or else they're listening to something else. <laughs> I should have got. If it depends if you leave this in there or not, you know, they get to this point. Which means that we have to assume the Holy Spirit's in them. I'm going to assume that every person listening to this knows something in their life that they need to change. Right. You know, again, this isn't that's not rocket science either. But what is a bit more is like, okay, you know what you need to change. Now you got to do it. Right. You got to stop. You got to start. You got to stop. You got to kill. You got to kill. You got to make a life. And you, you, I think we all kind of know. I mean, as an example, uh, the other day, um, with, with, in, uh, you know what's going to bring this out more than anything else is your family. Yeah. I mean, we all love our families, but the ones that are closest to us, right? Yeah. We all, I'll be in my best behavior here with a mic on. Yeah. Right? I was talking to someone like, man, Chris, I could never see you being like that. I'm like, well, it's because, you know, you've never really been in my living room, you know? <laughs> and uh, was was around with my kids, and I, and I it was it was late at night, and I wasn't, you know, the kids were up, and I got mad. And I remember at that moment, I, 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 the Holy Spirit just was like, okay, here we go. Now, now it's time to, now you got to grow. That wasn't cool. All right. And that means I need to, in prayer and reading, go after that. Yeah. I got to be intentional there. I, so it's intentional with our Bible reading, intentional with our prayer, and intentional in our obedience. Yeah. Like now I got to, okay, love is patient, love is kind, right? And you know, the fruits of the Spirit is... Uh, gentleness is one. And so I feel like the Lord is leading me to say, okay, man, here we go. You got to grow in that. Right. That, you can't do that. And uh, I think as we go after those things, as the Holy Spirit brings them to mind, uh, that, that's a part of that growth. You, you, yeah. if, if, if obedience not in there, yeah. you can read your Bible all the time. I mean, we've got great scholars out there and praise God for them a lot of times because they know a lot. But I don't know what's going on in their life. If they aren't living in a life where they're right. growing to produce fruit, you know, you can know the Bible up and down. Don't matter. Yeah. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Right. Exactly. Well, we really appreciate yeah. you coming and joining us and um, sharing uh, your convictions uh, from the, the Word and and also just you know kind of a little bit of that journey that's been good and I hopefully will continue to get the word out. Of our own congregation and, and others to listen and uh, appreciate you adding to this discussion. Thanks for having me. Yeah. That's, That's been great. great. Thank you. Next time, we will wrap up Season 5 with a summary discussion of the believer's spiritual growth. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production. Connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.